firearm injuries contribute to significant morbidity and mortality. In Canada, about 1,300 firearm-related deaths occur every year, and many more injuries lead to hospital admissions. Physicians recognize the need to understand risk factors and identify at-risk populations. I'm Dr. Ken Flagel, Senior Editor for CMAJ, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Natasha Saunders, General Pediatrician and Associate Scientist at the Hospital for Sick Children and Health Services Researcher at ISIS, the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Sciences in Toronto. In their research article, Dr. Saunders and her co-authors wanted to verify the immigrant paradox, which holds that despite facing social disadvantage, new immigrants are less likely to have poor outcomes compared to non-immigrants. Dr. Saunders is here today to explain the results of her study. I reached her in Toronto. Good morning, Dr. Saunders. Good morning, and hello. Thank you for doing this interview. Perhaps you can start by telling us how common firearm-related injuries and deaths are in Canada. Well, as you mentioned, uh, estimates of deaths are around 1,300 per year in Canada, and this number includes both adults and children. And we don't actually know how common non-fatal firearm injuries are in Canada. It's something that hasn't been studied on a population level. But what's important to know is that deaths are really just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to firearm injuries. And we have shown that um, children and youth, so up to age 24 across Ontario, there's about 22 to 24 children who are killed by a firearm each year. So that's about two children per, or youth per month. And what's really alarming, though, is not just the frequency of deaths, but also the frequency of firearm injuries. So injuries that may lead a child or youth to visit an emergency department or be hospitalized. And we found that in Ontario, around 355 children or youth are injured by a firearm each year, which works out to about one child or youth a day. So one child or youth a day is injured by a firearm in Ontario. And what's also important is that of these, around 75% or three-quarters are unintentional injuries, so injuries that are totally preventable and senseless. And these kids are, who are these are kids who are losing an eye, they're blind for life, or losing a limb and forever living with morbidity. And another 25% are related to assault. And in Canada, I think we're often overshadowed by what goes on south of the border in the United States, where injuries and deaths from firearms are so common. And the reality is we've discovered that in Canada, we're not immune to this problem, and firearm injuries really occur too frequently right here. You talk about risk factors for firearm injuries in your article. Can you, can you tell us about some of these? Sure. So there's several factors that have been identified for being a victim of an unintentional firearm injury or a victim of firearm assault. And probably the most important risk factor uh, for firearm injury is having a firearm in the home. Quite simply, if you have a firearm around, there's a risk of being injured by it. And the risks go down if it's safely stored, so unloaded, locked, and, in, and separated from locked ammunition. If there's no firearm around, however, you can't be injured by a firearm. And so we know that most unintentional firearm injuries occur in a child's home or in that of a friend, relative, or neighbor. Prior studies have also shown an association between sex and firearm injuries. So males by far represent the largest population of victims of firearm injuries. Um, age is also associated with firearm injuries, specifically late adolescence, uh, and that's both for unintentional and intentional injuries. And this is probably related to higher risk-taking behaviors among adolescents. 
And another important risk factor includes living in low-income neighborhoods, living in rural areas, especially where many households may own a hunting rifle, for example, being an indigenous population or black race. And another major risk factor, especially for assault-related injuries, is being involved with a gang. Why did you focus specifically on the risk of firearm injuries among Canadian immigrant children and youth? There's recognition from Canadian emergency room physicians and pediatricians that we need to identify at-risk populations so that we can allow for targeted strategies to prevent violent injuries as well as unintentional injuries. And in major Canadian cities, there's been a rising trend of violent crimes, and every day we continue to see unnecessary and devastating unintentional injuries that occur in children. And we don't really know what's driving this. Why are we seeing, why aren't we seeing big improvements in violent crime, and why are injury prevention strategies insufficient? Is it that our population is shifting or our demographics changing? Is our gun culture changing? And we wanted to understand this. And we know that Canada has a very large immigrant population. Around 19% of the population was not born here. And that number is increasing. So are these children and youth at risk? Are they contributing to the trends that we're seeing? And as you also mentioned before, there's this immigrant paradox and the idea that despite facing social disadvantage, new immigrants have better health outcomes than native-born individuals. And it's not been consistently observed among children and youth, and it's not been studied at all for firearm injuries. And we didn't know how immigration itself or immigration-related factors, such as things like time since immigration, your refugee status, were related to a firearm injury. And do normative behaviors around firearm injuries in one's native country, including one's perceived need for firearm ownership, get brought to the new country? Um, and we know that around the globe, there's a lot of variation in firearm ownership. So in the U.S., there's about 112 firearms per 100 population, whereas in Japan, the rates are around 0.6 per 100 population, uh, and firearm injuries are virtually unheard of there. Um, in Canada, that number is around 25 to 30 per 100 population. So do these global cultural norms around firearms for self-protection and need for ownership, as well as involvement in gangs, persist after migration? And what about the circumstances that led to migration and, and settlement supports? Might these affect firearm risks? So understanding risks in this population was important, especially as Canada embraces more immigrants from across the globe so that we can target prevention strategies. Your study was a, a large one. What did you look at and where did you get your data? So we carried out a large population-based cohort study using health and other administrative databases that we have available at the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Sciences. And these databases were linked to identify health system encounters as well as sociodemographic variables. And we're very fortunate to have linkage to Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada's permanent resident database uh, so that we can identify which individuals are immigrants. And this database doesn't include temporary residents such as students here on visas or temporary foreign workers, and it doesn't include undocumented immigrants, but it does include the vast majority of uh, individuals who have been granted the right to stay and live in Canada, so permanent residents. And we looked at all children and youth, so up to age 24 years old and younger, living in Ontario between 2008 and 2012, and we identified through their health records all unintentional and assault-related firearm injuries, so not including suicide. Um, and these included hospital emergency department visits, hospital admissions, as well as in and out of hospital deaths. And then we compared 
firearm injuries in children and youth by their immigrant status. And then we looked at subgroups of immigrants as well, so by visa class, such as refugees versus non-refugees, and what region of the world they came from, as well as how long they had been in Canada. What did you find? Overall, we found that there were almost 1,800 firearm injuries in our five-year study period, and that works out to almost one child or youth injured by a firearm each day. And in the five-year study period, male non-immigrants had 1,032 unintentional firearm injuries, and that works out to a rate of about 12.4 per 100,000 population. And they had 304 assault-related injuries, so about 3.6 injuries per 100,000 population. In contrast, male immigrants had 148 unintentional injuries, which is about 7.2 per 100,000 population, and 113 assault-related injuries, which is 5.5 per 100,000. Females had much lower rates at 1.7 per 100,000 unintentional firearm injuries and 0.4 uh, injuries per 100,000 population for assault-related firearm injuries. And um, firearm injuries among female immigrants were almost non-existent. And basically, when we accounted for their age, their sex, income, and their urban residence, compared with non-immigrants, immigrants had half the rates of unintentional firearms uh, injuries, and there was no statistically significant difference in rates of being a firearm assault victim. And what was interesting is when we explored these outcomes by subgroups of immigrants, refugees had a 43% higher risk of being a victim of a firearm assault compared with non-immigrants. And 68% of firearm injury victims among immigrants were from Africa or Central America. These latter immigrants had a three and four times, respectively, the risk of being a firearm victim uh, assault uh, compared with non-immigrants. And we also found that the longer immigrants stayed in Canada, their risk of firearm injury, both assault-related and unintentional injuries, increased. Your study uh, is set in Ontario, and that includes Toronto. Toronto has been in the news over the past decade because of gun violence in neighborhoods that have a lot of immigrant youth. Do your findings provide any guidance as to how to understand these events? That's a really good question. So gun violence in neighborhoods is really complex and multifactorial. I don't think from our study that we can say that immigration or immigration-related factors are or are not the cause of increasing gun violence. What we have shown here, though, is that immigration, in particular non-refugee immigration, is actually protective and mitigates the risk of being a victim of firearm injury. Immigrants more often live in low-income neighborhoods, and on the basis of that, as in low-income, they could be targets of prevention as they're living in lower-income neighborhoods, and that's just the same for non-immigrant youth. Similarly, particular immigrant subgroups, refugees and those from Central America and Africa, appear to be disproportionately victims of firearm assault, and our findings provide guidance that we need to understand why these particular groups are being injured, why are they the victims, And what can we do to support these populations to prevent further gun violence? This is a really important area, and we need to study this more. So so while we found higher rates in particular groups in particular areas, most of the injuries occurred to non-immigrant Canadian children. What's the implication of that finding? So first, this indicates to me that Ontario has a real problem with firearm injuries in children and youth. Immigrant or not, we've identified rates that are alarmingly high, and we need to do something about it. Non-immigrant youth, in particular males, need to be targeted for firearm prevention. 
whether that prevention is at the level of the household or, or more sy systemically with, with legislation around firearm ownership and access, it, it remains to be determined, but we've identified a high-risk group. We as researchers and healthcare providers also have to start thinking about what non-immigrant children can learn from immigrant children in whom we see much lower rates of firearm injury. So that having been said, is there a broader public health message here for health planners and uh, health, health carers? Yeah, so these re results imply that from a population and public health standpoint, we're not doing enough to protect Canadian children and youth from firearm injuries. Currently in Canada, legislation dictates that if you're over 18 years and you want to have a firearm, you fill out a form, you take a short safety course, pass a criminal record check, and then you get a possession and acquisition license. And you can purchase a firearm and then use it. Nobody checks to see if there's children in the home. Nobody checks to see that you're complying with the recommended safety standards. And if you're between 12 and 18 years, you can apply for a possession and acquisition license. Um, and while you can't purchase a firearm, you're allowed to use one unsupervised. So you can be a 12-year-old and be using a firearm unsupervised. So I think modifying legislation around restricting firearm use and supervision of minors, to me, seems like an important step in mitigating part of this public health problem. As well, public health programs around safe firearm storage are, are another way we can uh, help uh, this public health problem. Gun buyback programs have also been successful in other jurisdictions. And then reducing for reducing some of the assault-related firearm injuries, um, specifically neighborhood-level community engagement strategies, conflict resolution programs, emergency department hospital interventions with brief motivational interviewing and cognitive skills training have shown promising results. Um, and in addition to targeting male Canadian-born youth, these also need to be targeted at refugees and immigrants from Africa and Central America. And do you have a, a practice message for our first contact physicians, especially general practitioners and family doctors? Yeah, I think some, I think the key takeaway message here for physicians is that firearm injuries are an important problem in, Can, in Canadian-born youth and in subpopulations of immigrants. And this, pop, this problem has gone under-recognized, and we have to work to advocate at the individual patient level for safe environments for our children and youth, free from risk of firearm injuries. And this means asking families about access to a firearm and counseling on their, their risks and safe storage. And as physicians, we must advocate for greater system-level regulations around firearms for children and youth. We've shown here that, on average, one child or youth in Ontario is injured by a firearm each day. And to be frank, it's one child too many. Dr. Saunders, thank you for doing this. My pleasure. I've been speaking with Dr. Natasha Saunders, general pediatrician and associate scientist at the Hospital for Sick Children and health services researcher at the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Sciences in Toronto. To read the research article she co-authored, please visit cmaj.ca. If you've been listening to our CMAJ podcast, Please leave us a rating on iTunes or give us your feedback on SoundCloud or any of our other social media channels.